All right, I want you guys to think of the kindest person you know, okay? Like the kindest. Like when you think of the word kindness or kind, right, who's the person that pops up in your mind, okay? And I just want a few volunteers. So uh, just slip up your hand. I want to hear who you would say. Go ahead. Don't be, don't be, I'm going to start calling on you, so it's going to get weird. So you might as well just go for it. Okay, Hurley, Carly, who? Austin, your husband. That's very kind of you to say, okay? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mother-in-law, that's really good. Have another one, yeah? April, your friend April. Okay, who else? Let me get two more. Your dad, that's amazing. Can we get a guy? You guys, there it is, right there. Sorry, Ben. Mark Hill. Oh, Christian Challenge, fantastic. Okay, so here's the thing. Everybody's got a different person that elicits in their mind about, hey, this person is kind. And, and, and honestly, there's all sorts of different reasons about why that person might mind. For me, uh, it's my mom. And honestly, I asked a bunch of people over the last few weeks, hey, who's the kindest person you know? And the option that came up the most was mom. Like most people are like, my mom is the kindest person I know. So mom's way to go, okay? Unless you're not a kind mom and then you need to pick it up, okay? Um, I'm, just, I'm just kidding, but there's grace, at the same time. No. Um, so, so my mom, honestly, tremendously kind. Like when I think kindness, I think of my mom. She was always just being so caring, encouraging, shaping, just always investing in our lives. And so I called up my mom. I said, Mom, why have you always been so kind to Peter and I? It's my brother and I, you know. And this is sometimes in contrast to my pop. But, but uh, how, why are you always so kind, Mom? And her answer was, well, what do you mean? I said, like, why have you always treated us so well? And, you know, that, et cetera, et cetera. And she says, well, you're my son and I love you, right? Uh, which, which is probably the answer I think most of us would give when asked that question. Well, you're this to me and I love you because of that. Um, but what I think is really interesting about her response and about the way I think we normally would respond in that is notice that it is not about the self, but it's about the other. So my mom's kindness is not because, well, I'm just a kind person, right? It wasn't because, well, you know, uh, I, I just developed these characteristics over time as I studied or as I learned or, you know, she said, I love you and so I'm kind. That kindness has to be driven by a consideration of the other person and not the self. The kindness is not derived from just, hey, I'm going to do a better, it's by looking towards the other and allowing that to shape our response. What do you believe about the person that you sit next to this morning, whether you know them or not? Are they an image bearer of God? Right? Are they someone that is worth value and dignity? Are they someone that God created right, to be gifted in this world, to contribute to the flourishing of society? Like, What do you believe about the people in this room? What do you believe about the people in the world? And especially, what do you believe about the people that disagree with you and the people that persecute you? Because the application of God's word here is going to call us to kindness regardless okay, of whether or not someone has treated you well. Because it's real easy to be kind to those who are kind to us. It's significantly more difficult to be kind to those who have not been. Okay? And it's, been, it's, it's even more difficult to be kind to those who are distant from us who we know we have disagreement with. Right? And this is happening at a cultural level, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment. 
Now, this kindness thing finds us, and we find ourselves in the middle of a mini-series within a series, and we're in week six of seven talking about what does it look like for the Christian to grow up into the likeness of Jesus. Like, the type of idea when I would get older, I want to be Jesus. Like, that's my goal, that's my vision. And so what we've been talking about is all of these attributes and things we are to put on, and all these attributes we are to put off, and as we pursue that, being conformed more and more to the image and likeness of Christ. Like, that's the vision. And so we've covered uh, truth. We did righteous anger. We did generosity. Uh, Last week, we did uh, encouragement. Anthony spoke on that. Uh, And what's amazing about the encouragement piece and what he shared is that notice of encouragement where starts in the heart, right? That out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so encouragement will flow from the heart. And so it's natural that then Paul would begin to address the heart this week. What's, What's going on internally? What are the things that are driving the way you treat other people, even people you disagree with. Now, I shared with you guys about three or four weeks ago about how my son Finley, uh, how he loves to kind of take on the persona of his favorite character of whatever Pixar movie we're watching at the time, okay? And so right now, it's still Moana. So we're watching Moana, and he loves being Maui, and he pronounces it Moe for some reason, okay? So, so Moe is his guy, and so we send him up to rest time every time in the afternoon. He gets an hour and a half to two hours of rest time where he gets to do every once in his room. And so we leave, leave him in there, and then we come back up at the end of rest time, and he walks out... And and head to toe, I'm talking on his face, down to his, the bottom of his shins, is black Sharpie permanent marker tattoos all over his body, right? And I was like, dude, what, what did you do? He goes, these are my Moe tattoos, right? And I, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is going to take forever. Your mom's going to kill me. Like, this is just, this is so bad, you know? And so, so he... He does all of this, right, because he wants to become and, and live and act like his favorite character from the movie. And what's amazing is that stuff did take about five days for us to finally get off his body. And so he had permanent tattoos for five days. And so here's what's amazing. He would look at his arms and look at his legs and say, Daddy, I'm Moe. And then he would begin to do and act out things that Moe or Maui would do in the movie because he saw, I have put on these tattoos and so now I am him, right? Like that's, that's this beautiful thing and he acts out in that. And that's, that's the vision of what we're getting on here, is that as we put on these attributes of Jesus, right, what we're truly doing as we do this is we are stepping into our truest identity. We're going to talk next week more about why we're stepping into what it means to be truly and fully human because that's what Christ is. And so as we take on the attributes of Jesus, we step into the identity we have been made new in and then we live out of that in our action, just like my son would as a cartoon character, okay? And so this idea today is put on kindness and a tender heart. Put on kindness and a tender heart. Be, be like my mom, okay? Um, but all of this is within a certain specific context. And that context is when others are not great to you. Okay? Because again, I think if we can figure out being kind to one another, being loving to one another, having a tender heart for other people when they treat us poorly, then certainly it'll be really easy when people treat us well. Okay? And so this is what Paul's going to address in the Ephesian church. And so he starts in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. So if you want to open up your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians 4, starting in verse 31. It'll also be up on the screen. And it says this in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all 
malice. So, so put away all of these things, right? Put off bitterness. And, and this, there is a sequential piece to this that kind of one begets the other at a certain degree that when bitterness begins to come into your heart, it can lead to these other things. Now, the word in the Greek here, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark Howitt, uh, is pikria. <laughs> he always says, I don't pronounce stuff right, but I think that's right. And so uh, pikria, okay, is the Greek word, and it literally is also used for poison, right? So bitterness, do put off bitterness from your heart, put off poison from your heart. And I think we can all uh, attest to the fact that when we have something that offends us or angers us, and if we let it sit, that it begins to expand itself, right? It begins to kind of poison us, and we lead towards anger and malice and frustration and clamor and slander and these things that we don't ever actually, like, you ever get to the point where you're so angry with someone or angry with something or you're angry with people behind something that you disagree with that you've never even met before in your life, but you have that inside of you. You're like, how did I get to this place? It's you got bitter and poison seeped through your body and you did not address and seek reconciliation and forgiveness early enough. And so Paul's like, listen, this is happening in the Ephesian church. He's like, listen, there is relationships on the micro level, like friend to friend, son and, and, and son and daughter to mother and father, uh, husband to wife, friend to friend, neighbor to neighbor, uh, boss to coworker, uh, to subordinate, coworker to coworker. Like at every level, there are all of these relational dynamics at play. But there's also a call to the church to say, man, there are things within the culture that we would say and look at and they would revile within the church back in Ephesus and say, that's not the kingdom of God. And he's in the midst of that saying, yeah, but you still need to treat those people with kindness, even when they disagree with you. So he says, put away all bitterness, which can lead to all of these other things. Hear me, kids, if you're old enough to somewhat understand what I'm saying... Okay? Especially as you grow up, right? You begin to have friendships and you begin to understand and feel these emotions like anger and frustration, whether it be with your parents or with your brother and sister or with your friends at school or with your teacher or with somebody because they are butting up against you. And they're beginning to come against what you think is best. Now, this is not just for kids. This is an all-person thing. They hear me. If bitterness exists in your heart... If anger exists in your heart, if malice, if slander is part of your speech, hear me, you are upset that someone has disagreed with you and is not you. It's not that you're upset that someone disagrees with the Bible or disagrees with the kingdom of God. No, no. If you have bitterness or slander or clamor or malice or wrath in your heart, it's because someone disagrees with you and is not you. It's very selfish. These things are all self-focused. We've talked about the difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger just a few weeks ago. There's a way to employ anger well, but when it's bitterness leading unto these things, that's not it. Because what the Bible is going to call us to is, no, even when we disagree with folks, even when people have persecuted us, no, we move towards kindness and a tender heart, not allowing ourselves to be poisoned by these negative actions. And, And so we have to wrestle with the fact of, us like, hey, if this is here, why have I made myself the center of the world? Like, why, why is everything about me? 
when that is the antithesis to the life that the Christian is called to live out, which is a life which is fully given up for the sake of God's glory and for the sake of the other. And so these things should never be something that we walk around with. Unfortunately, I find that they're there very often. Now, let me say this. There are a good handful of things right now, right, in, in our culture and in our world that frustrate me to the deepest parts of myself as I see people across dividing lines speaking ill of one another and even within the church. And, and, and then to people outside the church. The way we often talk, the way our speech, listen, the stuff that you and I watch and read that seems to be nothing more than an attack and a slander upon a differing opinion and viewpoint, it's from the devil. Like all of that stuff, and we get so sucked in to all of this stuff, right? We get sucked into these issues and these problems of which we should have insane and correct and biblical kingdom-minded involvement in, and instead we pick a side. And then we fall into the same traps that our world falls into, which is we make decisions and we say things out of bitterness and out of anger and out of wrath, and it leads unto slander and clamor over people oftentimes we've never met. I feel like I've been in so many meetings and conversations where there's just been like, yeah, well, they're this, and then list a whole bunch of bad stuff, right? And, 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 and no, but they're this, right? All of them over there, that's just who they are. Now, hear me. There are realities, too, when there are dividing lines and dividing walls amongst people, when there's uh, unreconciled relationships, and when there's macro-level problems that the church and the Bible would disagree with, like there's things where we should be angry, there's ways that we are to, uh, or sorry, we should be angry, we should be frustrated, but there's a certain way then that that's supposed to work itself out. And I'm telling you, if you find yourself buying into the slanderous clamor of our world, you need to stop. You, you need to stop that, and you need to realize the only reason you're saying it is because of you. You're not defending the kingdom of God. You're not defending the Bible. You're not defending God. You're defending yourself. Because if it's defending God and defending the kingdom and defending the Bible and standing up for truth, guess what? You don't live in bitterness and slander. That's what this is saying. You live in kindness and a tender heart. And so this is a significant for our day because all the stuff we've talked about over the entire book of Ephesians is this beautiful gospel reality that is uniting all people together who would come underneath the banner of Jesus that come from every different background and place and situation to say we are one people. And now hear me, this type of stuff that we talk about today is in direct affront to the entire message of Ephesians. And we will never become the church and the people we're supposed to become if we find ourselves trending to this. Okay? That's why Paul hammers this down as he's wrapping up this list of what it means to be conformed to Jesus and put off all of these things. Even those you disagree with, even those that persecute you, you don't go that way. No, we move to this other half of the verse. 
That's a hard thing to adopt, but let's keep going. Verse 32. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Right? Kindness is, uh, is uh, defined by Webster's Dictionary as the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. I, I think this is a really helpful definition for us as we begin to think through it. If we are to be kind to all people, right, and if Webster's going to say that, we're to be friendly to all people. In other words, we're supposed to see everyone as a friend. Okay, now, now I understand, hear me, like, I understand there's disagreement. And I know that person is an enemy when you draw lines and stuff, but listen, we're supposed to tear down lines. We're supposed to tear down walls. Like, that's the whole vision of this. But that last word in the definition is the one I want to talk about for just a moment. This whole consideration piece. It's everything that my mom answered when she said to me, no, you're my son and I love you. The reason why my mom was so kind, the reason why we are driven to kindness is because we consider the other. Then even when someone is treating us wrongly, we think about what's best for their heart before we think what's best for our heart. We think about the other before self. And when we do that, believe me, kindness can flow from you. If it's a macro level thing where it's like, I can't believe they are doing that over there. Can you believe them? Yeah, yeah. No, you begin to think, well, why? Like, why, why would they land in that position? I, I don't agree with it. I can't see it. I don't understand it. It's not my experience. But why? Like, like, begin, put yourself in the shoes of the other to say, why are you saying this? Why are you acting this way? Why would you treat me this way? And say, all right, now out of that, let me treat you as the Bible has commanded. I'm going to treat you with kindness. I'm going to consider what the other might be going through and thinking through more than myself. Remember when I did right to, we talked about right to anger just a couple weeks ago, and I said, man, if someone cuts in front of me and they don't wave, I get to start losing my mind, and I, I just get road rage like crazy, all that kind of stuff. Like the right thing for me to do in that moment is say, you know what, what if they're having a bad day? What if they have two broken arms? That would be difficult to drive. What if they can only raise them this high? You know what I mean? Like, so, like, wh what if? Like, and you begin to implant this into your mind and your heart and your thought process to say, ah, what if? Like, what could they be going through? Again, I want to talk to you kids. Listen, I don't know, you know, there's differing ages in here, but kids, hear me if you could. This is just going to be an encouragement for you and the way you treat your parents. I guarantee you, and I know most of the parents in here, they love you a ton. Like, the parents in here are great parents. I would love if our kids, okay, I wish, man, Finley is sick, so he's not here, he's unfortunate, um, but if, begin to consider and to think about your parents and what is best for them. Like, begin to think through, what does it mean for me to love my dad and to love my mom in such a way that I bless them over myself? You're never too early to start acting like Jesus. In fact, in a lot of ways, you kids already act a lot more like Christ than your parents do, Okay? But I'm going to call us to listen up, kids. Like, what does it look like for you to think about your parents even now? Like, what would be best for them? Why are they acting this way? How do I care for them well and the whole deal? And then parents, that should just be obvious to us in the way we treat everyone. Adults, we should just know this. Like, this should not be a difficult thing for the church to be like, hey, be kind to everyone. Why is that difficult for the Christian? Like, why do we move to slander? Like, that makes no sense for us if this text is true. Okay. And so, uh, again, the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. And so, um, we, uh, I'll say this. All sorts of things, there's going to be all sorts of applications, I think, this for all you guys. I'm going to be 
small relationships and stuff like that, okay? But where we're going to land this thing, and I do want to start landing pretty quick here, is with this last piece, okay? And if we miss this last piece, we miss it all. Um, you cannot employ kindness on a consistent basis unless we get the end of verse 32. So I'm just going to jump to it right now. And it says this. So I'm going to read verse 32 as, as a whole. Be kind to one they're tenderhearted, forgiving while they're ready, as God and Christ forgave you. So, so in, you know, in the same way that Paul's been doing this week in and week out throughout this entire little series within a series where he gives us the negative imperatives, the negative commands, don't act this way, and then the positive commands, the right, act this way, he gives us the reason why. And the reason why we walk in kindness and forgiveness with one another is because Jesus forgave us. Now, I just want us to just sit and stop and think for a moment. What if God decided to not put off bitterness malice, wrath, slander, clamor, anger. Like, like what if God, so if we just think about the story from the beginning, God created a perfect world, we rebelled. God formed a perfect, not a perfect, God formed a people for his good pleasure that he would bless, and we rebelled. God saved them in the midst of persecution, and then we rebelled, right? God delivered, and then we rebelled. Jesus came into this world to die the death that we deserve to die for ourselves, and we mocked him, and we persecuted him, and we killed him, okay? Like over and over and over, we have given much reason for God to move towards bitterness and to move towards wrath and to move towards anger. But he put all of that off. Instead, he puts on kindness and he puts on a tender heart that sought what was better for you and was better for me than what was better for himself. So as we begin to kind of navigate, well, what does it mean? Like, how, you want me to like treat my enemy? You want me to treat the person that has treated me so poorly with kindness? Are you crazy? No, you're a Christian. Like this is what we believe. Because if you're unwilling to do this, how do you so easily accept the forgiveness of God? Now, I'll come back to that, but I want to give one quick caveat. I, I fully want to acknowledge and realize that there have been things that have happened to some of you that like teeter on that unforgivable line, right? And we know a lot of you that have painful stories and painful realities of things that have happened. And he, please, when I say like, hey, just forgive, I, I don't mean that in a trite, simplistic, this isn't difficult type of thing. There have been some things that have happened to some people, people I know here, that require time and processing an insane amount of love and care from people, from the church. And it takes, right, a complete and total just nonstop movement of the goodness of God in your heart as that continues to be unveiled to get you to a place of forgiveness. So this is not a, hey, man, you know, bad, like someone did something bad to you, so just forgive them, it's all good. No, no, no. This is a, hey, let's move that direction as we conform to the image of Jesus. And I fully realize that's diff more difficult for some than others because of certain situations. But all that said, why could Paul be so bold to the Ephesian church to say, this is the way that we live life now? 
Like this is the new vision for the life of the Christian is that even those that we disagree with and we despise, we move towards kindness and love. It's such a phenomenal, beautiful thing. And it's just so obvious that that's what Jesus would call us to because that's who Jesus was and is. The one that even to this day, when you and I leave this place, and I don't know if everyone in here is a believer or not. If you're not, as we always say, welcome, thanks for being here and joining with us. But if you are, like, gosh, when we leave this place, there's probably going to be something that you do That isn't perfectly in line with God's will. You might just sin sometime this week, and guess what? God is still going to treat you with kindness. He's still going to consider what is best for you, and then he's going to act upon what is best for you. Because that's who God is. Made clear and obvious through the life, death, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, again, whatever age you are, I want us to start employing this. Parents, like, I know that like, a lot of what we said isn't super approachable for a child. I understand all that, kids. You're probably like, what is he even saying? Parents, like, talk to your kids about this. What does it mean to treat everyone with kindness? To see people as image bearers of God, regardless of what they've done to them, regardless of their background, and then move them towards love and forgiveness. Like, begin to have those conversations with your kids. And then parents, if you're struggling with it yourself, like right now, if you have unreconciled relationships in your life, you need to move forward in a process of reconciliation. You need to move forward in a process of forgiveness. If that's a very, if it's a very, like it's a tough situation, I would love, we would love, we have counselors that would love to walk with you and what that looks like to carry that forward. But the last application I want to give us, and this is going to be a mandate, like every week, if you don't know, we do this thing called a weekly recap, but we put it online where you can jump on there, you'll see all the songs we sang, the sermons posted, and we have reflection questions and all that. The reflection question for this week is going to be for you guys to go home and then for 10 minutes, just turn on your favorite worship music, whatever that looks like, whatever, you know, stuff you like listening to, and just worship Jesus for about 10, 15, you can go as long as you want, and then answer the question that we're going to give you guys. Because the the best way that we move forward this is through worship. It's through praise. It's through singing a lot to Jesus and realizing, gosh, look what you've done. God, that you've come and you've done all of this on behalf of me, a a rebellious sinner, right? One who has denied you at different parts of my life that will continue to sin and so on, so on and so forth. But even in the midst of that, what we sing is true and beautiful. And so, man, we're going to sing some songs now and we're going to worship. And I want that to be the primary application you take from this text this week is to worship Jesus, to celebrate Jesus, to thank Jesus, to make much of Jesus, to listen to music, watch movies, talk to friends, get in small groups, read your Bible, everything to exalt what he has done for you because out of that will then flow the kindness that one leads us to repentance and leads us to care for other. I land with Romans 2, 4. Do you presume on the riches of his kindness, kindness, forbearance, and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. And so this week as we worship, will God be so gracious to be kind to us that we'd repent in the areas we need to, in the, in the, in the relationships that we need to have reconciled, and in the ones that we need to push forward and be the light for the world. Amen?
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your hope, your love, and your goodness to us. I thank you, God, that you are kind to us, that you consider our hearts and you think about us, Lord. And Lord, we get to walk in response to what you've done. Lord, I, I do pray, God, even as, you know, Lord, we moved quick this morning and, and covered stuff, and I pray for every kid that's in here, Lord, that they would just consistently hear from the Spirit of God that would lead them towards ways of righteousness and holiness and goodness and joy. God, that they be shaped and conformed to the image of Jesus more and more as we all desire to be. And so, Lord, bless us in our response right now. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.